Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast. Our mission of teaching people to love God by showing them how much He loves us starts right now. On June 30th of this year, June 30th, my daily devotion, okay, so, so, so I have my quiet time and, and I do through my, my, my ba- daily Bible reading, but I have a devotion, guys, and, and in June 30th, the, the writer writes this, quote, the more I strive to become a true disciple of Jesus Christ, the more oppressed the world is towards me. The world, okay, will use terms like fanatic or religious nut if I so seek to become a fully devoted follower of Jesus. Now, it goes on to say, quote, Jesus Christ was God's greatest expression of normal, yet the world would not have anything to do with him. As a matter of fact, if you recall, the world called him crazy. As a matter of fact, in Mark chapter 3, verse 21, it says, But when his own people heard about this, they went to lay a hold of him, for they said, He is out of his mind. Now, I'm thinking about this, and I'm going, Whoa, 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 wait, 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 wait. What is, what is this devotional trying to tell me? And it's, it's saying that, that, listen, if you're going to be a fully devoted follower of Christ, you're crazy. You're crazy. As a matter of fact, Jesus is crazy because, and again, what, what's it saying is there is no, listen, there is no middle ground for the mind of Jesus and the mind of the world is exact opiates. Now, now here's where it gets better. I kept reading. I'm like, wow, he's speaking to me. It says, to Jesus, God the Father was the center of his life. That's a good place for an amen. God the Father. Amen? Okay? And, and, and so, the determiner of every thought and every action was the Father to the world. God is a pleasant gaze, check this out, a pretty covering, a fragrant perfume, but never the heart and the soul of his life and action. And I bring this up, guys, because it started to jump off the page, specifically where we live. You go, well, like what? Well, I'm thinking, okay, so God has called every one of us in this room to be a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ. Okay, we don't want to be Christian in name only. We don't want to just own the t-shirt. We don't want to have a bumper sticker. We really want that to move deep, deep in our heart. But to the world, here's what God is. God is a pleasant guy. Oh, that's just God. Or he's a, a pretty covering. In the name of God. Or a fragrant perfume. But listen. It's never been the heart and the soul of life in action. So when it comes to you and I becoming, and again, I don't just want to say Christian. I want to say a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ. For you and I, the way to live, it's unreasonable to the world. You see, the world would say, okay, okay, be reasonable. Don't go crazy. Okay, don't go crazy. You see... The writer goes on to explain, the world is never anti-God. It's more like little God. It wants to have just enough God to make nice, but never enough God to expose its heart. That's my devotion. And I'm like, wow. So what does that mean to me? When you and I become sold out, devoted, Followers of Jesus. No holds barred. I'm in. Guess what? The world thinks you're 
for lack of a better term, cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. That's what the world thinks. Because when you stop to think about what you truly believe, it's crazy. It's crazy. Do you believe in God? I believe in God. Have you ever seen God? Well, not really physical, but I know he's up there. He's a spirit in the sky, and I know he's there, and he speaks to me. God speaks to you. And I mean, I mean, we can just go through the whole thing. Think about, think about the doctrines of the faith. You know what you believe? You believe that a virgin gave birth to a son, that she was impregnated by the Holy Spirit. You believe that. You believe he was the Messiah. You believe he died for your sins, and so now you have, you, you get to go to heaven. Of course the world's gonna think you're crazy. You're beside yourself. Well, Ben, 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 dude, why do you, why do you share this? Why do you share this? I share this to you because I believe this is what the Apostle Paul in the Word of God is trying to teach us, guys, in chapter 5 of 2 Corinthians. This is what he wants to get through. You see, many, many began to believe that Paul was, in fact, crazy. Well, we're going to, nah, Paul's a little bit crazy. We're not going to. And what they did, guys, is because of who Paul was, they began to turn, if you will, they began to turn away from following Jesus. They didn't believe that he had the proper credentials to be an apostle. They didn't believe that he was actually called by God. They didn't believe any of this. And so what they started to do is they started to regard, listen to me, they started to regard Paul in the flesh and didn't see the anointing of God's hand upon his life. Oh, Paul, he's just... And so what he does, he says, no, 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 here's what I need to do. I need to write 1 Corinthians and kind of deal with what's going on. But then what happened is that they didn't receive that. As a matter of fact, they were still allowing some stuff in the church. So Paul says, man, oh, this is stressful. I need to go. And he made a hurried visit, and it was actually a painful visit to Corinth. And you go, why? Because he said he found out that the problems that he addressed had not been resolved. And these were not just little like, hey, you guys, uh, I got a letter saying you put the copier over there. Now people are freaking out. This was major, major, major. This was like, this was like sexual. This was things going on in the church that the leadership were turning a blind eye to. Paul says, I've got to go check it out. And they're not, it's not being resolved. And then when he was there, guys, he found out that they were rejecting his authority and they were actually rebelling against him. He's like, what? And so he writes 2 Corinthians. Now, let me just go back for a minute. Let me, let me kind of give you, jot this down, guys. Um, the purpose of 2 Corinthians is this. He wanted to express joy that the church actually heard the Holy Spirit and they sought reconciliation. Oh, Paul, you know what? You were right. I don't know why I was following this guy. I don't, Paul, you're right. He's like, man, that just makes my heart so joyful. He also wanted to remind the believers, guys, if you will, of their commitment to the offering for the Christians in Judea. So he's going to talk about giving. Now, just so you know, at Calvary Chapel, there's a couple of things we don't do. We don't pass the plate. We believe that tithe and offerings is an act of worship between you and God. Okay? So you go, well, well what does that mean? Well, well, here's the thing. We only talk about it when it's in the Word of God. But we believe that it's worship. Paul talks about that later on. And then, in the last part of this book, you'll see, he's going to have to defend his apostolic authority. This is what the purpose of the book was. So as we come to chapter 5, is not only trying to reconcile those who are on the fence about Jesus, but he's also defending the call that God has placed in his life. And so, this morning, 
As we get into the Word of God, if you're taking notes, I want to show you three motives for serving Jesus. Three solid motives. Now, Paul's going to break down these solid reasons that we should all, right, how we should all serve Jesus. He's going to give this on there. So, last week or two weeks ago, I wasn't here last week, but picking up our study in verse 8 so we can get a good run and go, let me um, let me talk a little bit about two weeks ago. Do you guys remember? Last week we had Nick from uh, it, Grace Church in Amarillo, but two weeks ago we actually talked about when our faith becomes sight. You see, the Bible says, he says that we need to what? Help me, church. We need to walk by faith and not by sight, right? We do walk by faith. Every one of you here is walking by faith. Faith that one day you're going to hear that trumpet sound and the trumpet is going to be deep in your spirit and you're going to see the Lord Jesus take you home. You believe that with all of your heart. Why? Because you put your faith and trust in Jesus. Can I get an amen? Okay? So you believe that. But but what happens is that when you take your final breath here on earth, that's when your faith actually becomes sight. And we talked about that, guys. We talked about that. And there's no better illustration than my friend Bob, who this week, his faith became sight. You see, he walked by faith while he was on his earth. And what I mean by that, and there were still struggles. There are still struggles on earth, is there not? Is there not still doubts? Lisa, is there doubts in the Christian walk? Absolutely. We, so sometimes we wake up and we go, God, where are you? I can't believe this, God. And then there's times where we're walking really strong. We're like, man, I feel good. God is in me. Yeah. Like he's this giant lion behind us. It's like, yeah. And that's life. But there comes a part where Paul says, okay, so, so what happens when we die? What happens when we die? Well, that's when your faith actually becomes sight. Because the Bible says to be absent from the body. Well, well, let's just read it. Let's just read it. Look at verse 8 and 9. Okay, Paul says, We are confident, yes, well pleased, rather to be absent to, from the body and to be present with the Lord. Therefore, we make it our aim, whether present or absent, to be well pleasing to him. Here's what Paul says. Listen, to be absent from this body, I'm going to be with the Lord. I'm going to be with the Lord. That's why it's so hard, guys, with, 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 with celebrations of life. And that's why it's so hard. Because you and I, we sit here and we say, oh, we're going to miss them so much. It's, it's, but they're, in, they're, in, they're with Jesus. They're with Jesus. And so many people go, oh, but if I could just bring him back, you wouldn't want to. To be absent. They're up there in heaven. They're just like, wow. You know what they want? They want you. You need to come. You need to come up. And so Paul says, okay, so so everybody gets that, right? While we're here, we're really absent from God. I mean, we walk by faith, amen? But while, uh, if we leave this body here, then we're present with the Lord. But he says in verse 9, he says, therefore, because of this, we make it our aim, whether present or absent, to be pleasing to him. So no matter where you are right now, which y'all are here, he says, your goal, your aim is to be pleasing to the Lord Jesus Christ. Your prayer in the morning should be, Lord, I want to be pleasing to you today. Help me be pleasing to you today. That's my aim. My aim. You see, Paul, he exhorts us to, to make it our goal to please God in every way. 
and he encourages the, 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 the Corinthian believers to regard their time on earth to do the same thing. Guys, you need to be pleasing to the Lord. You need to be pleasing to the Lord. Why? Everybody say why. Because he's going to give us three solid motives. Why? This is why. You guys ready? Motive number one. This is how we should have true motives to serve the Lord. Now, let me just stop real quick. We, we all have motives for serving the Lord. Why do you serve the Lord? Why do you do what you do? Why do you, why do you do sound? Why do you do this? Why do you worship? Why are you in the team? Why do you do, why do you, right? Why do you do children? We all have motives, but, but Paul says that here's some three motives to really check our hearts and to say, this is why I serve. This is why I serve. You go, what is that? Number one, because of the fear of the Lord. Because we fear the Lord. What? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me break it down. Look at verse 10. Here's where we start our study. The fear of the Lord. He says, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Your attention, please. This is what he's saying. I want you to notice one thing in your Bibles. If you're not afraid to write in your Bible, circle the word all. He says, because that's all of us who have given our lives to Jesus. In other words, if you're here and you're, and you're a fully devoted follower of Jesus, you're going to stand and appear before the judgment seat of Christ. You see, somehow we thought Christianity was, oh, I get to just go. No, 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 it's a little bit different, right? It's not the great white throne judgment. Those are people who have not given their lives to God yet. I always like to say yet, because God's still working on them. And there's people struggling. Oh, I need to give my life to the Lord. Oh, I need to surrender. God's not, not they're, they're going to. So here it is. For we must all, every one of us, appear. Where are we going to be, guys, when we die? The judgment seat of Christ. Okay? Now, you go, what is that? Those who have given their lives is going to know. Now, the Corinthians would actually grasp this. This is known as the Bema seat. The Bema seat. Okay? Now, you go, what does that mean? Well, l- let me unpack it. Let me go back just a little bit, okay? Because it says, for we must all, we know that, appear. Let me give you the Greek word for appear. Because it's more than just, we're just going to stand up. All right? We're just, hey, Adam, you're first because it's A, right? I'm B, Ben. So Adam goes first and we're just all going to appear. But that's not what it means. It means it carries the idea of being revealed, guys, before God. I gotta be honest with you. I was a little freaked out this week studying. Why? Because it's like, Ben, what are your motives? What, what are your motives for pastoring? What are your motives for, for doing what you do? What are your, what are your true? Well, God, here's why. Because I have heard throughout the years that many pastors, there's a lot of motives for being in the pastorate. Some of them, it is actually lucrative financially. They make good money. And they would actually confess that I would get out of the pastorate. I can't find anything as a job that would pay me as much as they pay me. In some churches, that's, that's the case. But let me give you another one. And I think it's for pastors, a lot of the motives is insecurity. And if they can preach the word very well, they get the pat on the back and they feel so good. And that's what they need. So what's their motive? Well, I'm going to go through that heartache because there's that one little old grandma that come up to me and say, that was a good sermon, young man. Ah, was it? Did you like that? That was pretty good, wasn't I? Liz, what, what did you think of that? Was it a good sermon? Liz, was it good, was, was good right, Lisa? Good? Yeah, uh, she'll let me know. And so the motives behind that, guys, it's, 
But Paul says, no, no, no. We're going to be revealed. Where? At the Bema seat. Every one of us. Now, don't look at your wife and say, I hope you're there with me, because she ain't. This is an individual thing. Okay? Well, what's the Bema seat? Well, this would be well known in Corinth. Why? Because what it was, you see, in the Olympic Games, right, when the winner would cross over, they would actually receive a Stephanos, a crown. And they would come up to the Bema seat, the judgments, and they would say, wow, you finished the race well. Here is your Stephanos, your crown. And and again, it wasn't, well, you didn't run well, or you tripped that guy up. It, you You were already a winner, but you would, you would get this. You would get this. You would get this crown. Now think about this, guys. There's going to come a time in your life, Rosa, when you take your final breath. Now here's my prayer. My prayer is that you don't take your final breath, that we're all holding hands and Jesus comes back for us and we're translated up just like he says. But then we're going to stand before God. He's going, hey, Rosa, let's, let's, let's reveal your life. Let's see the things that you did, whether good or bad. And he's going to say, okay, now... You gave money, or you served here. And, and he's going to start going through all of these things, right? And then he's going to give you the crown of the world. Oh, you, you had such a good heart. Here's your crown. But the crown isn't for us to get prideful and to walk around and go, hey, look at my crown. Look, you like my crown? I've got more, a little more jewels than you. It, you laugh, but that is sad, is it not? You know why? I actually heard a story of a lady who told another lady, not in this church, that she served more in the church and that her crown was going to have more jewels than her the other lady's crown. I was like, she said that to you? She said that, like, like sincere, like, hey, I do so much around here. That's not what they're for, guys, because we're going to take our crowns off and we're going to lay them at the feet of Jesus. This is what you do. This is, that's it. That's what the crowns are for. Because there is nothing that I am doing, nothing that you're doing, that God isn't giving me the ability and the giftings for. This is all God. This is all God. The fact that I'm up here behind a pulpit being able to communicate the word of God to you, it's God. Because the first time I ever stood behind a pulpit, I was like this, and God help. I mean, it was just, I don't know, I don't know if I can do this. I, uh, right? The first time Billy Graham ever preached a message, it was five minutes. Five minutes. Yeah, Jesse. Jesse's going to be like, amen, and we'll be done. So I, we're working with Jesse. But anyways, so again, think about it, guys. And so all of a sudden, he says, God is going to judge all the individuals, including believers, not only in terms of salvation, okay, but also in respect to eternal rewards and deeds performed here. What were your motives? What were your motives? Now, to all my Bible students, your mind goes back to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Why? Because he had already explained it. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 12 and 14 says this. Now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, let each one's work become clear. For the day will declare it, it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. If anyone's work which he has built endures it, he will receive a reward. Motives? What are your motives? Are you gonna, are you presenting, I mean, this is it. Are you serving the Lord? And it's gonna be what? It's gonna be gold? 
And it's going to be refined. And it's going to be what, guys? It's going to be precious stones. Or our motive is going to be wood, hay, and straw. God, I, I served my church wonderfully. I served you. I gave. But let's check your heart on that. Now, I don't think there's going to be like you put your, you put your works on a conveyor belt and, 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 and there's a fire and it comes out on the other side. But I think the Lord's just his, 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 the, the fire in his eyes are going to just see. And I really had to check myself this week, guys, because I want to say, what are my motives? Not only for coming to church, but serving the Lord. Guys, because, because God didn't just call us to come to church and sit down and open our Bibles. I'm sorry. He calls us to serve and to love one another and to do life with one another and to step out and to, and to, and to be there for one another. That's what he's, that's what he's called us to do, guys. And he says, what are your, what are your motives? I'm pretty sure some of my motives, to be honest with you, are going to be wood, hay, and stubble. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure I've dragged my feet and I've, I don't want to go. I God bless you. Right? Just me? Come on. How many of us have just really like, I don't want to go. I don't want to go. Hi, how are you? No, I'm fine. This is wonderful. Good to be here. How can I say? We've all done that. But I want mine to go, Lord. And he's going to give us, he's going to give us the reason, guys. Cause, cause first of all, cause we're going to stand before the Lord. So Ben, what's your motive for serving Jesus with a pure heart? Well, here it is. Verse 11. Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord. Now, I want you to circle that word. Why? Because it doesn't mean, oh my gosh, I'm so afraid of God. Right? We're not going, God! That's not why we serve the Lord. Because it actually means to stand in awe and reverence of who he is. Because we're going to stand in awe of reverence. Guys, he says, we persuade men, but we are well known to God. And I also trust we are well known in your Consciousness. In other words, here's what he's saying. Because we understand our fearful responsibility to the Lord, that awe and that reverence. This is why we got to be careful. This is why we got to show respect and reverence. We don't go, yeah, the man upstairs. Who? You rent the room? Who are you talking about upstairs? No, no, no. He's God. He is Elohim. He is my Jesus. He is deserves my respect and my eye. It doesn't mean I sit here and I'm afraid. I'm not sitting there like God's way with a spiritual billy cup. Ben, you just get out of line one more time. I'm going to whack you to next Tuesday. That's not what God is doing. But I know that there's a reverence and an honor and an awe toward him. And I forget that sometimes. And I said to go, Lord, okay, what's going on here? It's my responsibility. So Paul says, because of that reverence and awe, I fear him. He says, I, listen, look, look, guys, he says, we persuade men. In other words, guys, we serve Jesus, listen to me, and we tell others because of the fear of the Lord, the greatness and awe of God. That's the reason, guys, we work hard to persuade men. That's the reason. When I got saved, I was 17 years old, and I'll never forget it. And all I wanted to do, guys, all I wanted to do was persuade others to give their lives to Jesus. And I'm super bummed because I feel like I've lost that loving feeling. 
When I got saved, that's all. I mean, some point, some, sometimes to be obnoxious, you know, I'd go into, we'd go into a, a, a restaurant and boy, I'd want to tell the wait, whoever it was, the waitress, the waiter, do you know Jesus? Do you know? And sometimes we know they come up and they're like, yeah, I've had a really hard day. And you're like, yeah, super bummer, dude. And we don't, I've lost that sometimes. But I remember when I got saved, 17, man, I'm telling everybody about, it. I'm telling all my friends, you guys, dude, something changed. You got, you got, you going to heaven? What are you going to do with Jesus? I'm telling you, he's going to forgive you of your sins. And this is what Paul says. He says, we work super hard. We super hard for others. But remember the context. Why? Because Paul says, because of the bema seat and the rewards, make sure you have the right motives for serving. Things will still get done, but I would hate for you to lose your reward. Right? Well, you go, Ben, Ben, okay. What are some, what are some wrong motives for serving Jesus? What are, what, what are some? Uh, let me just give you these. I just jot them down. Number one, serving Jesus for recognition or position. That's the wrong motive. We called it being seen at the gate. Hey, I need to be seen at the gate. How you doing? Yeah, I'm, guys, for the last 16 years, we've had people come through here that want to be seen at the gate. They want recognition. And number two, a wrong motive for serving Jesus, guys, is because it makes you feel important. It makes you feel important. Guys, you're already important. You're already important to Jesus. He's already well-pleased with you. He's already well... You're looking in the wrong place. A wrong motive for serving Jesus, guys, is because... You feel like, um, I'm going to serve Jesus so that he owes me something in life. In other words, I'll do this for God, and then when I need him, I'll call him on it. Hey, God, God, uh, I need a miracle. Listen, 16 years as a pastor, hey, the church in Lubbock, you remember Calvary, the hard ones? You remember? <laughs> That's right. You remember that... Does God owe me anything? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. That's a hard lesson. That's a hard lesson. I moved out to Lubbock, Texas 16, 17 years ago. And I really thought I was doing God service. I really thought, man. And I remember going out to the lake going, God, this is what you do to guys like me? I've left everything in New Mexico. I've moved out here. I don't know a single soul. And you know, nobody's coming to the church. We don't have any money. I don't have a job. What are you doing, man? And you know what I love? You know what? You know how God answered? He didn't. He didn't owe me anything. But I've come to realize that that was the wrong attitude. God doesn't owe me anything. I owe him everything. And that if we're going to proclaim the gospel, Jay, you know this. If we're going to proclaim the word of God, we're going to be attacked. We're going to be And now we're moving into, guys, listen to me. And now we're moving in, not even fourth quarter, we're in overtime. There's overtime. And so you have those that stand up and said, we're going to pro- proclaim the word of God, and it's opposition. It's opposition. Let me give you another reason real quick because I had one more here. Uh, serving Jesus for material gain. Yeah, exactly. 
Back, man, back in the 80s, I mean, it, you, you, you know, you saw that. And preachers would fly around in jets and blah, blah, blah. And I mean, it's like, listen, I'm serving God for money, for power, for fame, for material gain. I like what David says. Lord, let me just have enough. Okay, just just let me have enough. Don't give me too much to where I forget about you. But don't give me too little to where I, 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 I offend your name. By, you know what I mean? He says... Now, let me just say this. When it comes to our church, you guys have been amazing. Because you understand, every time that I'm here, it's a walk by faith. You go, why? Because our rent and utilities and children's ministry and my salary and anybody else who's on here and cleaning and so forth, it comes from you. It comes from your heart to give. And so I'm able to do what I do because of you. And that's what he's saying. Guys, we serve Jesus because of who he is. Because of that awe and reverence of him. I'm not afraid of him as believers, but in total reverence to him. Notice verse 12, it goes on. He says, for we do not commend ourselves again to you, but give you the opportunity to boast on our behalf that you may have the answer to those who boast in appearance and not in heart. Here's what Paul is saying. Okay, he says, guys, look, listen, listen. We're not saying that we, we want, we say this to, to make ourselves look good to you. He says, rather, we're trying to give you a good reason to be proud of us so that you'll be able to answer those who boast about people's appearance and not about their character. Why? Do you guys remember? What was one of the Corinthians' problem? They were saying, I'm of Apollo. This guy. This guy's the, this guy's the pastor. This guy is a, woo! And the guy's like, no, 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 no. I'm a Cephas. Cephas is a better pastor. He was with Jesus. Oh yeah? Well, I'm of Jesus. And so they were, they were, they were doing all of this stuff and Paul's like, no, 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 no. Quit boasting about various preachers. Why? Because as you boast about these preachers, you're criticizing Paul and the problem is, is that Jesus needs to be the center of your life. Jesus needs to be the center of your life. Every one of us should walk out of here, guys, with Jesus the center of our life. Everything you do, everything you think, who you are should be about Jesus. And then everything else should fall under that heading. It was Tim Keller who wrote that our hearts are idol factories. And you go, what do you mean? Let me give you the definition of an idol. It's taking something good and making it ultimate. Taking something good and making it ultimate. And, and somehow we just, we just, we just don't. We don't understand that. And all of a sudden it's like, oh, that's an idol. That's an idol. God says, no idols. The things that you love, the things that you are, the things that you enjoy, your hobbies, your giftings, that should all come under after Jesus as the center. Now, keep this in mind. The results are not only a test of a worker's life and service. The motives of the heart are very important. So it's not only, okay, this is what happened. Okay? For example, I don't want to sound boastful or anything, but let's, let's just be honest. We could draw a crowd, could we not? 
We get the right speaker. We get the right thing. I mean, we get, we get the right combination. We could draw a lot of people to church. But I have to always check myself. What's the right motive? Well, Ben, because you want people in church. Yes, I want people. We need resources. We want to make a difference in Lubbock. But I don't want to stand before God and say, boy, I, I used this and I used this and I did this. And, and my, because the results, guys, that's only one part of the test. But God's going to check my heart and my motive. And let me give you motive enough to serve the Lord Jesus. I've got to stand before God and give an account for you. That's enough. Well, Ben, you just had a handful on Sunday. That's enough. Because God's going to go, hey, did you tell Tiffany the truth? Well, you don't know Tiffany, Lord. She just wouldn't let. No, no, no. He's going to say, I went to Israel with her. You don't know Tiffany. She left the cookie there on. Anyway, that's a whole inside joke. Never mind. But the point is, is that I got to stand before God for you. And that's enough motive. Can I get an amen? When Soph takes the pulpit, he better be preaching the Bible because he's going to stand before God and say, what did you tell my people? And that's why, guys, we don't take this lightly. Right here, we don't. This is holy ground. You don't realize how much I'm just like, God, I need to tell him the truth. Oh, yeah, the gifting is to be able to communicate where you guys are, are still with me and that you're, you're not going like this. Right? That's the gifting. But the point is, I've got to tell you the truth. Paul, what's going on? Well, look at verse 13. He says, if we are beside ourselves, it's for God. Or if we are sound mind, it's for you. You know what? Paul's enemy said, dude, you're crazy. But people also said that the Lord was crazy. And so Paul is in good company. And so Paul says, listen, if I'm crazy, if I'm cuckoo, if I'm nuts, it's for your good. It's for your good. And he goes, and if I'm, you know, right, it, it, it's for God. And he says, and if I'm a sound mind, it's for you. It's for you. And let me just say this, okay? Listen, if we're going to be crazy, can we just be crazy for Jesus? Can we just be crazy for Jesus? Well, no, because people will just, they'll judge me and they'll think I'm weird. We're weird anyway. <laughs> Are we not weird? We're weird anyway. I mean... If I'm going to be crazy, I'm going to be crazy for Jesus. And if I'm going to be sound mind, I'm going to be for you. What what does being crazy look like in your life? Not crazy, but crazy for Jesus. Not just crazy, Paul, okay? Not just crazy. I mean, I love it. That should be our motive, guys, for for serving the Lord, that we fear him, that we honor him first and foremost. Can I get an amen? That's number one. Number two, let me give you the second one. The second motive for serving the Lord is that we love the Lord. We love the Lord. Okay? Look at verse 14. For the love of Christ compels us, because we judge thus, that if one died for all, then all died. And if he died for all, that those who should live live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. Okay? Now, these two verses are very weighty. So underline them, make an arrow, kind of, kind of, why? 
here's why. The second reason that we serve God with a true motive, a pure heart, is because we love Him. We love Him. And why do we love Him? Because He first loved us. You understand who your Jesus is? Okay, you ready? You're a mess. I'm a mess. Not only are we weird, but we're strange. And you guys get that, right? We're, we, we, before we came to Jesus, we were a mess. And now that we came to Jesus, we're even messier. And when you realize that, and Jesus looks down and says, I still love you. <sighs> Seriously? I forgive you. I have a plan for your life. Oh, my goodness. Seriously? He says, yeah. Yeah. When you fully understand how much Jesus loves you, then it truly controls your service for him. I don't say this tongue-in-cheek, but when you understand how much Jesus loves you and the pastor asks you to do something, you know what your response is? Amen. Yes, sir. Well, I haven't even asked you it. It doesn't matter. I love Jesus. And if I can do something for him, I'm ready. I'm ready. Hey, do you think maybe? Absolutely. But I didn't ask you yet. Well, that's okay. Why? Why do you give? Why do you give of your finances? Why do you give of your time? Why do you give of your resources? Why? I love Jesus. Ben, you're all right. You're all right, Ben. But I love Jesus. That's really why you do it. That's why you do it. Why do you show up every Wednesday and Sunday and play the drums? I love Jesus. Why do you serve in children's ministry and rock those babies to sleep? I love Jesus. Well, how, how come you love Jesus? You don't understand. You don't understand. I, I, what you don't understand is it's personal. He died for me. You see, the Bible says that he died for all, but he died for me. And I know when I accepted him, he looked straight in my eyes. He said, Paul, Lisa, Sophie, I'm dying for you. I love you. Why? Ready? Jot this down. Love is a verb. It's an action word. And you can say, I love you all the time, but if you don't show any action... Because love is a verb. And what Jesus says is, for God so loved, I love you. I'm going to die for you. I'm going to die for you. Guys, let me, let me show you an example why it's personal. Look at verse 14. He says, for the love of Christ compels us. Oh my goodness. For the fact that God loves me and I love him, this is what, this is, this is, this is why I serve him. This is why I serve him. He says, for if one died for all, you guys see that? You can, you can say one, it's capitalized, so it means Jesus. So if Jesus died for all, let's take off all and put me. So if Jesus died for me, and he did die for me, notice what he says, that we should no longer live for themselves. I should no longer live for myself, but that I should live for Jesus who died for us. What a great exchange, is it not? If Jesus died for me, Becky... 
what should be my natural and normal reaction? I live for him. As a matter of fact, Paul, in writing to the Galatians, says this in chapter 2, verse 20. What does he say? He says, For I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live, I live in the flesh. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. In other words, I don't belong to me anymore. I live for Jesus. I live for Jesus. I live for Jesus. That's what he's talking about, guys. If I'm crucified with Christ. It's so funny. It's so funny. I've heard people throughout the years say, oh, I just want to be used by God. I just want to be used by God. And then when we use you, you go, man, I feel so used. Well, do you want to be used by God or or, or were you looking for somebody to pat you on the back? You see, because we don't parade the people up here who clean the church and say, hey, look, the toilets are clean and these are the people who do it. They do it. They do it faithfully and nobody sees. Do we want to be used by God? God's going to use us. God's going to use us. We're going to be used. We're going to be used. Okay? But it's not our life. That's I've heard that so much. And the second point is, guys, is that listen, the life that you gave, it's not yours. If you have given your life to God, whose life is it? It's his. It's his life. Belongs to him. The life I now live, it's not my life. Didn't know we had a UPS driver that, that, that Jesus is driving the truck. You better drive it like Jesus would, buddy. It's not your life. It's not our life. What does that mean? Ready? When we go to work, we work unto the Lord. A sad testimony is when Christians, when your boss goes, boy, I don't like to hire Christians because they're lazy, and da-da-da-da, and da-da-da-da. That's not how it should be. It should be. You know what? I want to hire more. Do you know anybody like it? Because I want to hire Christians because they're hard workers. They love Jesus. And they, listen, that's how it should be. We don't represent ourselves. Think about this, guys, in your life real quick. Think about how the love of Jesus moves you to serve. Think about how God loves you so much. It compels you to serve. With a true heart. What do we want to do? We want to make an impact for Lubbock, Texas. Guys, we don't just want to be just another church. They have enough churches. We need to make an impact with the right motive. What's the right motive? Well, let me just say this. Felt like the Lord spoke to me while I was on vacation. I was sitting by the little this little stream, and I was asking God, and and I was digging in First Timothy, the whole book there. And one of the things He said is that number one, He says, "This is what we need to do. We need to continue to preach the Word of God. Don't change, just teach the Bible. That's the first thing. Of course, we're doing that. We're going to teach the Bible first. By I'm going to, I'm not going to fail to give you the whole counsel of God. And here's the problem: there's some hard stuff in here. Stuff we don't want to hear. Oh, I want to be motivated. No, it's the word of God. That's the first thing he told me. The second thing he told me is that we need to continue to worship the Lord, regardless of 
of what's going on in the world. And so I felt like the Lord said, no matter what, I'm not shutting down the church again. Okay? And I think my leadership agrees. We're not, we're going to do our very best. And we're going to be safe, obviously. And then the third thing he said is to develop your leadership. That's, that's going through, that's, that's exactly what he told me. And I'm like, okay, Lord, this is what we're going to do moving forward. Moving forward. Why? But we want to do it with pure hearts. Why? Because the love of Jesus. Listen, church, listen to me. This thing could be all over in a moment. It could be all over. I'm going to give you some practical things to do. You ready? If this thing can be all over in a moment, you need to love your wife. Wives, you need to forgive your husbands. <laughs> you need to forgive your husbands. We need to hug a little bit longer. We need to be in the moment. You ready? I'm going to offend you. Permission to offend? Let's put down our phones. Let's be in the moment because this thing could be over in a second. We could hear the trumpet and, and I know, I know it. I mean, I know we do. I'm the same. Okay. Let's, guys, let's purpose. Let's put down the phone and be in the moment. When we go to dinner, when we go to lunch, let's be in the moment. I just think the enemy will do anything he can this day to rob us. To rob us. Okay, practical things to do. Hug your kids a little bit longer. Make sure they know you love them. Don't take anything for granted. Don't take anything for granted. That's just my plea to you, and I'll show you why. It goes on in verse 16. It says, therefore, from now on, he says, Paul says, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him no longer. What's Paul referring to this? Guys, remember before his conversion, Paul thought that Jesus was simply a mere man. So did everybody else. Oh, that's just a man. Don't, no, we, we're going to persecute that. Because, but remember too, that there was problems because, guys, uh, Corinth, they, they were judging after the flesh. Well, Paul is compelling them, guys, that with other teachers, they were using carnal judgment instead of spiritual discernment. And he says, from now on, he says, no, no, no. We're going to regard, listen, it's the anointing of God's Holy Spirit. What they were forgetting is what Paul's going to teach us in the next verse, which is a very popular verse, right? Because something had changed. You go, what's that? Look at verse 17. He says, therefore, because we're not regarding anyone in the flesh, he says, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Let's quickly unpack this. If you look at this verse in the Greek, in its original tense, guys, it's in the aortist uh, tense, and what it indicates, guys, is a, def- a decisive change that salvation brings. You go, okay. So he says, if anyone is in Christ, he's not just saying you bought the T-shirt, you listened to Caleb, or you got bumper stickers on your car, or you occasionally pray for your meal. He's saying something has changed. It's a decisive change salvation. You are new in Christ. Now, he's not sitting there going like that. He says, check your heart. I love what Pastor Saul says. He says, do a spiritual inventory. Make sure that something had changed. Why? Because it's really implying that we need to check where we are before God, that we've really changed, that we've had a born-again experience. 
And we haven't simply modified our behavior to fit the culture we live in. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. You know what I'm talking about? I want to know that God has changed my heart completely and that I haven't simply modified to my culture. God bless you. Amen. Yeah, oh, now I'm a Christian. Can I get that raise now? Can I get that promotion? I don't want to modify my behavior just so I can fit in. God, have you really, have you really changed my heart? Because he said, because here's why. All the old things are gone. That's a good place for an amen. The old you is gone. That's a good place for an amen. Come on, everybody. Because you're a new creation in Christ. You're a new creation in Christ. Wow. I wish I could develop this, but we've got to keep going. Verse 18. Now, all these things are of God. What did he do? Who reconciled us back to himself through Jesus Christ. And what has he done? He's given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is that God was in Christ reconciling the word to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them. Thank you, Jesus. And he committed to us the word of reconciliation. Isn't that cool? He says, this is all a gift of God. What's that? That Jesus, when he came, he had the ministry of he, God was reconciling us. Jesse, he was reconciling you back to him. Becky, all of that. But now what he's done is that through Christ now, you have the ministry of reconciliation. He says, this is what you're doing. You're doing that. God has given us the task of reconciliation. For God was in Christ, amen, and he was reconciling the word. We see that, the world to him. But here's what I love. It says he was no longer counting people's sins against them. And when your sins are forgiven, you got to tell somebody. you got to tell somebody. Do you remember that old, I don't even know what, I don't even know what year it was. It's just coming to mind. You remember that song? What the Righteous Brothers sing it, I thought, right? And, and it was, it was in Top Gun. Do you remember? You never close your eyes anymore when I kiss you. Remember, you've lost that loving feeling. Do you remember that song? It was really popular, you know. You've lost that love in fee. And, and sometimes I feel, guys, that when we, we just walked with Jesus such a long time that we've just lost that love for him. That love, that motive to serve and, and to love people and to tell them. Well, Ben, you don't understand, bro, because I live in West Texas and everybody's saved in West Texas. And if I go out and try to tell somebody about Jesus, they get all mad at me. No, no, no. How about we do it? Just, just have that love for them. Oh, sister, I don't want to offend you, but do you know my Jesus? Of course I do. Yeah, I got a sister. Hey, bro, how do we do this? Invite your neighbors to dinner. Hey, come on over for dinner. Come on over for dinner. And, and, and please don't get in a holy huddle going, okay, when they come over, you can buy them. I want you three, but we're going we're gonna to win them to Jesus, I promise, and they're not leaving our house until they get saved. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about have a good dinner, but let them see Jesus. And they'll ask you. They'll ask you, Jesse, why, why do you keep, why, do you, why are you so happy? Sarah, you, you seem like you really love your husband. He can't be all that great. 
what gives? And your kids, they're, they're really, I mean, can I tell you the secret? It's Jesus. You see, because my husband, Jesse, is not that great. I mean, he's great, but he's not perfect, and neither am I. And there's forgiveness, and there's grace, and there's growth, and there's mercy. You guys see that? They'll, they'll, they'll come. And, and again, that's what he's saying, guys. That's what he's saying. He gave us that. How are we doing? How are we doing? Are we telling people about Jesus? Are we, are we giving him the answer? You ready? Does our walk match our talk? Are we living what we believe? Because that's what people see. That's what people see. Third point, real quickly. Third motive. Third motive for serving Jesus. He tells us in verses 20 to 21, simply the joy of serving Jesus. For the joy of serving Jesus. Look at verse 20. He says, now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were pleading through us, We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. And I go, amen. Paul and his companions not only spoke on behalf of Christ, but their lives, namely their endurance of suffering and their character as Amazing representatives. It was the pure joy. The pure joy of serving the Lord. So here we are, as as representatives of Jesus, as believers. And what he's saying, he's saying, it's almost like God is pleading with people through you. What's his message? What's God's rap? He's pleading with them to come home. Come home. Guys, with the, with the way the world is, we all know that something's not right with COVID-19. We have the data. Our problem with what's going on in the world today is that we've had so much news, we don't even know what's true anymore. And, 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 one says this, and the other says this, and by now, in August, we're like, I'm so tired of the news. I don't know what to believe. But we know something's not right. And as believers, we're going, there's something something spiritual, deep, So there's something not right. I've heard many pastors I respect that'll say this, listen to me, it's not going to go back to normal. We're not going back to normal. We're not going back to the way things were. And I'm going, okay. So there's more that, 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 that's going on that meets the eye? Yes. But let me tell you this. I feel like my spirit, guys, is anxious. And internally, I am pleading with people to come back to God. So much so that when I leave here sometimes on Sunday mornings and I'm going, where's so-and-so and where's so-and-so? Please come back. I'm, I, I don't want people to fall away. I don't want people to go, oh, 
there's something in my spirit that says, oh man, we need to come back to God. Please. Well, Ben, hold on, dude. People are afraid of COVID. But I see you all over, over here. And I see you over here. And I see you doing... Don't, Don't leave God. Don't, don't leave God, please. I'm anxious in my spirit and I'm pleading. And I think all of y'all too. Notice what he says real quick, guys. Notice what he says. I want to show you something. He says this. Now then, we are, what's that word? Ambassadors. You guys see it? We're ambassadors for Christ. Okay? You know what I found out? And you guys probably know this. If you are an ambassador to another country, okay, when that country is going to be attacked, what do they do? They call their ambassadors back home. Okay? If there is war and you're an ambassador, they'll say, okay, we're about to strike, come home. So all the ambassadors from our country will come back home before the wrath is poured out. You guys with me? God just called you an ambassador. He just called you an ambassador. You're an ambassador. You're, you're pleading with Jesus. But before the wrath of God comes, he's going to call us home. He's going to say, come home. And we see that in First Corinthians. We see that. So the Corinthian church would go, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Ambassadors, okay, it's time to go home. It's time to go home. I believe God is getting ready to call us home. And he's going to pour out, guys, his wrath in an unbelieving nation. My prayer is that those of us that are walking the fence with Jesus, those of us that are, oh, we're whole humming around, those of us would make a solid commitment to be fully devoted followers of God. And while we're here, our motivation would be pure joy as God speaks through us. You see, he didn't call us to be so theologically sound, or or not sound, theologically, you know, just competent that we can't, well, let me tell you about it. Because there's a lot of people go, I'm not, I don't, I don't know. But the joy that God has changed in your life will shine through as you tell people about him. Well, what about the word propitiation? I'm not sure about that, but I know what Jesus did for me. He saved me. Well, did Adam have a belly button? I really don't know. This, he does, but, but I don't know if the first Adam did. But I know what Jesus did for me. You understand, I was lost and now I'm bound. I once was blind, but now I see. And the joy that lives in me. But, but, but Ben, you, you have to wear a mask everywhere you go. Yeah, but I have joy. Listen, maybe people can't see me smile because I have to wear a mask. But I want them to see the joy in my eyes. It's the joy of the Lord. That's what he's saying. That's what he's saying. Now, let's close.
Okay, let me recap real quick. Motives for serving Jesus. Motives for serving Jesus. What is that? Number one, the reverential fear of God. Oh, how we stand in awe of him. How we will stand before a holy God and our motives and our ministry and our service will be tried by fire. My prayer is that we would all have pure motives. God, give me a pure motive for for serving you. I, I fear you. I honor you. I love you. That's the first one. A reverential fear of God. Number two, because I love Jesus. Why do we serve? Why do we give? Because we love Jesus. Well, why do I love Jesus? Because he first loved us. In all my yuckiness, in who I am, in my thoughts, in my heart, he still loved me. That's my motive for serving Jesus. And last but not least, guys, a pure motive for serving Jesus is the pure joy of serving the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He has called us to be ambassadors for Christ And it's almost time to go home. Listen, the more I strive to become a true disciple of Jesus Christ, the more opposed the world will be towards me. That's the bottom line. Ben, I've got a question as you close. I have a friend that's not a believer. I've shared the gospel with them many times, but they're just not a believer. They just are are they gonna be at this Bema seat or and the answer is no. You see, the judgment seat, the Bema seat is for the believers. There's another place that they're going to go, and it's called the Great White Throne Judgment. So what Paul is writing, he's writing to reconcile the believers back to Jesus. But you can see that there's a tinge of going, wait a minute, wait a minute. If there's any place you want to be judged, it's the Bema Seat, not the Great White Throne. So what would you say to my friend? Give your life to Jesus today. August 16th, 2020, it's not too late. As long as you're alive, it's not too late. So if you're watching us and maybe you just flipped through or, or maybe you have a friend that you want to share this or you want to do a watch party, listen, it's not too late. But today you can open up your heart and you can invite Jesus inside and you can believe. And I'm, I'm pleading with you because that's how serious it is. I'm pleading with you. If you've never given your heart Today's the day. And I never want to leave a Sunday morning without giving you an opportunity. Those of you that are here and those of you that are watching online, of course, later on, those of you listening by podcast. So in a second, I'm going to pray. And just ask the Lord, Lord, where am I with you? Have I been changed by by Jesus? 
And if not, all you have to do is say, today's the day. Today's the day. And all you have to do is lift up your hand and say, I'm going to follow you, Jesus, forever I'm yours. Father, we thank you today for your word and the seriousness of your word, God. Forgive us of our sins, O Lord, that we have failed you, that we have served you with wrong motives, that we have sought after ourselves and not you. You've humbled us through your word. Lord, starting today, may may our motives be pure joy of you. But Lord, I also ask with every eye closed and every head bowed, maybe today, through the power of your Holy Spirit, that somebody here, somebody needed to hear this today. And now they're ready to surrender their lives. And God, what's going through their heart right now is they don't want to feel embarrassed and they don't want to feel like they're, they're, they're struggling with this decision. They're like, Lord, I want to make sure that I'm right with you, but I just, I don't know. Well, Lord, with every eye closed and every head bowed, would you just speak to that heart and calm it down? With every eye closed and every head bowed, if there's somebody here that says, Pastor Ben, will you pray for me? I just want to know that I know. I just want to, I just, I'm ready today. And I know God's not mad at me that he's madly in love with me, but I just, I just want to know. I want to be found right with him. I'm ready to start my new life in Christ. If that's you and God is speaking to you, all you have to do is simply lift your hand. Nobody will see you. God will see you. God bless you, brother. Anyone else? Anyone else? God sees you. God sees your heart. You're on the fence. Those of you watching online, will you just lift up your hand? God sees you. I can't see you, but God sees you. And he's ready to do a work in your life. Anyone else saying yes to Jesus? If you lifted up your hand, you can put it down. God sees you. Would you just pray this prayer in your heart? Would you say, Lord, I'm sorry for my sin. I'm sorry I've, I've let you down so many times. I can't do this on my own. But your word says that if I believe and confess that I'll be saved. And so that's what I want to do. Father, first and foremost, I repent of my sins. I'm turning away from that old life and I'm coming to you. Jesus, come into my heart and be my Lord and be my God and be my Savior and be my friend. Here's my confession, Lord. This day I choose to follow you, Jesus, forever. I'm yours. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, this is Pastor Josh. I hope this message has encouraged you in your walk with Jesus. If it has, we would love to hear your story of how it has impacted you, or especially if you responded to the invitation to receive Jesus into your heart as your Lord and Savior. To get in touch or to receive more information, please contact us by phone at 806-799-2227 or send an email to calvarylubbock at hotmail.com. 
Again, that phone number is 806-799-2227. Also, if you want to partner with us financially to take the gospel to West Texas and the world, please click on the Donate button on calvarychapellubbock.org. Thanks for listening to the podcast. May God richly bless you.